everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats Podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Bouncer. And welcome to a pretty stacked recruiting weekly recap, as well as the introduction to the men's basketball team and some big cats or um, volley cat victories. But let's just dive straight into the recruiting news starting with the first commit of the previous week, and that is the 6'1", 190 wide receiver from Jarrell, Texas, Jacques Spradley Demps. This was another example of K-State flipping a recruit, this time from North Texas. Uh, we seem to have a pretty good track record of flipping guys from North or who are committed to North Texas, mm-hmm. so uh, hopefully this one works out just as well. <laughs> yep. Kobe Savage. Kobe Savage, yeah. Um, but he's an on three three star, an eighty eight three star, an eighty seven three star on twenty four seven. None of the other two sites do their research, so I don't care about them. Uh, plus, the other two ratings are higher anyway, so it benefits my narrative. But what do you just from the very onset? What do you what do you think of Spradley Dumps? Well, uh, Texas receivers, uh, you you always like that they're generally going to be going against uh, high quality competition uh, in their um, high school ranks. Uh, and also, he's got really good speed. Uh, on a first view of his film, it's not super apparent, uh, but that's just because he's a long strider, especially for his size. Uh, but for playing a lot of slot, he's a, a really good uh, or decent route runner. He gets pretty good release. And uh, he has a um, shockingly good, especially again for his, for his frame, uh, catch radius. Uh, and he, he's able to uh, really twist and contort to make uh, catches if he needs to. But there's a lot to like about him. But he's a very smooth operator uh, in the slot. And uh, he is he has a really good receiver name as well. We're, I think we're going to take to calling him JSD just because Jocks Bradley Demps is a lot. He also goes by Debo, apparently. Yeah. Uh, which, if he is half of Debo Samuel, I'm going to be very, very happy. We take those! Yes, we do. <laughs> Um, but speaking of Debo, I'm not saying he is, but the play style that he exhibits is sort of similar, where he's someone who is a pretty physical player, but what he's going to try and do is try to work over the middle and just try to be that physical receiver who's going to break a tackle to try and you know gain a few extra yards on a play, which is why he's such a good uh, screen option. If you watch his highlight tape, as Connor pointed out to me I, before I even realized it, there's this one screen pass it's like seven times in his highlight tape and it keeps working because he's breaking like two tackles every single time it's run. <laughs> yeah. He's very elusive, uh, has really good vision uh, with the ball in his hand. That's something that Ace uh, especially pointed out. Uh, but like him a lot. Uh, he's a playmaker. I think is maybe a good way to describe him. Uh, and, I, I like um, the possibilities uh, with that. That sounds like something that Avery Johnson could really work with. Yeah, that's I agree with you. The The archetype that most makes sense to him for me is playmaker. Not necessarily always on the outside, but someone who, while he probably does, he's a solid route runner for what he is now. He still has room to, to develop, especially with you know hip sync and things like that. That'll get worked out right now he's just the the prototypical i'm gonna catch the ball and i'm gonna get you either seven or an entire touchdowns worth of new yards and there's a lot to be said because of the skill sets that like our young receivers have up to this point 
you know, you obviously have Jace Brown, who's the finesse route runner. You have Trace Bybee, who's going to be the true X receiver. Uh, you have Andre Davis, who's going to be the contested catch guy. Then you have Wesley Watson, who's going to be like the deep threat. Uh, we don't really have the playmaker archetype. Uh, well, Keegan Johnson is supposed to be the the playmaker archetype, but he's been dinged up. At least I hope that's what it is. But <laughs> yeah, I, this is a, a really good pickup, especially if you are a, a subscriber to the archetype roles as as I am. Yeah, uh, good pickup. Um, again, we have good history with uh, flips from North Texas. And uh, he recently picked up TCU offer, a Baylor offer, and a Virginia offer, I believe. And those are all schools that uh, want to air it out. And so uh, that's a bit of an endorsement, I think, of uh, his ability. So I'm pretty happy with this ad. Yeah, I am as well. But I think the uh, arguably, normally we don't talk about preferred walk-on add-ons. Uh, we have an exception. <laughs> and that is Navarro Shunky out of Brandon Valley or Brandon, South Dakota. Interior offensive lineman who is 6'5", 285. According to On3, he's an 88.3 star. But according to 24-7, he's a 94 star. And he's committing as a preferred walk-on. Yes. Seems good. Seems good, in fact. Uh, it's It's been spread over Twitter, so I, I feel fine saying it. But uh, the, the reason he's able to do preferred walk-on status is uh, because he's getting a uh, Native American scholarship. So he's uh, going to school uh, for free, air quotes, uh, but uh, he isn't, um, he doesn't have to have that scholarship. Supposedly it's the connection between him and uh, Connor Riley uh, that he really liked, although there have been some uh, indications that maybe he switches to the defensive side of the ball, but I really like him as an offensive lineman, honestly. Yeah, but he's, he's a um, incredible wrestler, so I can totally understand the desire to put him at nose tackle because he uh, is a multi-time national title winner as a wrestler and probably could have wrestled anywhere in the country Absolutely, if he wanted to, in case he has a really good history of guys with wrestling backgrounds uh, like Will Geary, uh, I think is the perfect example there of uh, a, a wrestler, although Will Geary is under-recruited, this guy was not. He was a uh, a four-star on 24-7, nearly that on on three. Nebraska uh, was after him as well as KU, uh, but he's really, really good. This is a absolute steal as a preferred walk-on because this is someone I, that we were pursuing as a scholarship athlete. Yeah, because he's good enough to be that. Mm -hmm. And I like that you mentioned that he is a wrestler because if you talk to any offensive line coach in the country, they are going to say, "Give me a wrestler." On the interior and a lot of that has to do with how wrestlers have to deal with leverage especially on on the inside where you're basically in a phone booth most of the time <laughs> like you you're basically rest you're you know trying to you know gain leverage on someone in a phone booth when you're interlocked with one another that's just playing guard like that's playing guard and that's playing center <laughs> so like every offensive line coach in the country will take a wrestler and let me tell you, in his film, you can tell. <laughs> you can tell that he's a wrestler just because of how well he understands leverage, how well he understands like where to attack the weak point of a defensive lineman coming at him. And if I'm honest, I would much rather have him play offensive line. Would I be angry if he turned into a defensive tackle? 
Well, yes, because that mean that would mean that like five people in the foundation would gloat about it, and I don't want to deal with it. But I I wouldn't be mad from a pure <laughs> like a pure player standpoint. Yeah, um, I, I I do agree, and I, I like that you brought up leverage because I think that is what he brings to the table uh, that he's able to do at such a high level, and that makes his background as a wrestler uh, all the more valuable. Uh, and a, uh, his addition also makes us a pretty stacked offensive line class even more so than it already was he's the um, uh, second four-star addition uh, into this uh, offensive line class along with Caden Massey who recently achieved four-star status on 24-7 so it's four offensive linemen now and potentially one more we'll see if anything ever happens with Grant Bricks because that recruitment's been lasting a little longer than most expected it to I think yeah uh, but of course, he if he committed, he would be the uh, crown jewel. I think. Oh, absolutely! Like you're you're going into this next year with an offensive line that, like a true freshman class that I honestly wouldn't hate, like if they all had to start in their true freshman season. They won't. They will not have to. But I wouldn't hate it if they had to. Just because I think that's how inherently talented they are. Yeah, I, I would much prefer we never have to do that. But <laughs> you know. If you had to pick a offensive line class to have to fill out a starting lineup as true freshmen, you could do a lot worse than what we'd be bringing in, uh, even right now. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get into the other sports, here is a quick word from today's sponsor. And welcome back to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats. This well, it's the weekly recap, so here we go into the other sports, not football. And we're going to start by covering the men's casketball. I about called it a scrimmage, an exhibition. There is technically a distinction between K State and Emporia State. K State won 102 to 68. So we got the 100 burger, which, you know, is good. <laughs> you appreciate those. But. We also got just about everyone on the roster significant, eh, yeah, I'd say significant time. Um, I'll go over the starting five, if you don't mind. Go for it. All right. So Cam Carter was the starting point. He was 24, played 24 minutes, 17 of 13 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3, 4 of 4 on his free throws. Did end up having 3 fouls, but 3 assists, 1 turnover, only 1 steal, 20 points. Then Arthur Kaluma played 28 minutes, 3 of 6 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3. Again, also perfect on his free throws, 3 of 3. Uh, 4 rebounds, 1 foul, 2 assists, 1 turnover, 1 block, 1 steal, 10 points. So he got a stat in every single stat there. <laughs> Congratulations, <clears throat> King Arthur. Uh, Tyler Perry, 20 minutes, 3 of 11, uh, 2 of 9 from 3, 2 rebounds, 2 fouls, 5 assists, 2 turnovers, 8 points. You'd like more, but you know sometimes when you have a high volume three, uh, three point shooter, you you have off nights. Um, David Gasson, sixteen minutes, three of four from the field, a very funny three point attempt, uh, one of two on his free throws, uh, four rebounds, four fouls, three assists, two turnovers, one block, seven points, and then Taj Manning rounds out the starting five. Ten minutes, two of three from the field, zero of one from three. Uh, one rebound, one assist, and one steal for four total points. So, you know, the, the standout is uh, is Cam. <laughs> yeah, Cam, 
uh, was noticeably improved from last year, primarily in his uh, ball handling skills and in his uh, ability to attack and transition. I think those were the two major areas where we saw Cam Carter make a market improvement. He was better at the ball in his hands. He looked more comfortable. And in transition, he um, didn't have a major miss on a layup, which last year when he was going right at the rim for an easy shot, you never knew if it was going to go down. But uh, he went out of his way to not dunk it a couple of times in transition to uh, work on making layups in transition. They all looked pretty comfortable. He and the staff, I think, has been pretty high on him since he got here, and he really exhibited uh, some uh, really good tendencies in the uh, uh, exhibition against Emporia State. I liked a lot of what we saw from Cam. But beyond him, I mean, Tyler Perry, uh, I'll take two of nine from him. I want him to keep shooting as much as possible because that's just how good he was last year in North Texas. So if he's going to have some two of nine games, I'll trade it for the six of eight games. So I'm not too worried about that from Tyler Perry. Kaluma was a little bit quieter than I expected him to be. He especially hurt for him playing the most minutes, but he made a late three. He scored one of the first buckets of the game. He looked pretty solid. Uh, Gasson uh, just fouled a lot, um, had a nice lob dunk, and uh, generally looked uh, a little bit more comfortable than he did last year, I think. And then Taj Manning uh, only played 10 minutes, but had a nice steal near the end of the game where he was playing a defense uh, um, out beyond the, uh, the arc, uh, which I, I did not expect to see from him. But he may end up being a really versatile defender that we didn't expect to have. Yep. But... That takes us into the bench players, and we really emptied the bench in this game. Uh, we'll start with Jarrell Colbert. He played 14 minutes. He was perfect from the field because most of his shots were dunks. And uh, went three or four at the free throw line as well. He had five rebounds uh, and then only one foul as well, although that shouldn't have been a foul. It was no. it was a clean block that he got dinged for. And he should have had two blocks, only had one. Uh, and then added a steal, uh, finished with 13 points. Uh, Day-Day Ames, Tyler Perry got into some foul trouble early, so we saw true freshman Day-Day Ames a little bit earlier than I thought we may, and he was really good. He didn't turn the ball over in his 20 minutes and had three assists. He was uh, five of nine from the field, which I did not realize he hit double figures, and he made a three as well. Uh, Three rebounds, three assists, and 11 points for Day-Day. McCaleb, a.k.a. Buddy Rich, uh, (laughs) he came in and really kind of brought the house down i think in terms of uh, his impact on the game he had uh, four buckets and they were all right at the rim uh he had two layups on re- on offensive rebounds because he, he had nine rebounds in this in just 13 minutes uh, and then he had two dunks uh one in the first half and then an unbelievable uh windmill dunk uh that honestly when he when he did it if I think if you overlaid it with Keontae doing windmill dunks from last year, he probably was higher than he was. Yeah, almost no, certainly. Michaela uh, Bridge was, and his head was right up, uh, about to pass the rim. He looked like an athletic freak. I wasn't sure how much we'd see of him this year. I feel like he's maybe earned at least the right to not redshirt. Maybe that's me being selfish, but. <laughs> You just want more yams. Yes, I do. Uh, but he finished with eight points. Uh, he didn't miss a dunk, unfortunately, but he kind of got caught under the rim, so it is what it is. Uh, and then he also had a steal, two assists, and just one turnover. Dorian Finister played 19 minutes. He had seven points. He did have three steals, which is nice. Did have a couple of turnovers, two assists. Um, 
two of five from the field, one of three from three. I thought he was fine. He had seven rebounds, uh, mostly inoffensive, I thought. R.J. Jones was one of five from the field, all threes. He did make a buzzer beater three, though, at the end of the first half, which was pretty nice. Uh, and he added five points. I think we'll see some of him. Quez Glover played the fewest minutes, but it's because uh, it looked like he uh, banged his knee uh, with somebody on a, a drive at one point, and it didn't sound like it was serious, but it was enough to just keep him out for the rest of the game. Yeah. So he only played seven minutes, but he did make a three, did he have, and he did have three assists, and looked pretty good. And Will McNair was the last guy. Uh, ten minutes, four points, five rebounds, uh, one turnover, two steals. Pretty solid game from him. He moved a little bit better than I was expecting, and he looked a little bit more comfortable uh, in the offense with the team than I was expecting him to, given how late of an addition he was. But if we can get that kind of stat line from him uh, on the regular, I'm happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. So just, you know, there's not a lot to say when you kind of obliterate a team like Mm -hmm. this, especially in exhibition. Yeah. But the, the two big takeaways was I don't, I'm not, I'm not upset with 9 of 32 from 3. I wanted it to be a little better, but I think that's just something that will come with time. Some Sometimes you have nights where the shots just aren't falling, and I think this was one of those nights. The other thing was I ex- maybe I expected us to play a little faster, and maybe that's maybe that's something we'll see in the future. Because I think Tang mentioned it, right? He wanted to play faster. Yeah. The thing is, I thought that we played plenty fast, so I, I kind of got the, the opposite reaction where when Tang said he wanted to play even faster... I, I wasn't shocked, but I was like, oh, interesting. Because oh, okay. I felt like we were playing faster. Maybe that's me still adjusting from playing much slower in the past. But, I mean, there's a reason Emporia State scored 68, and it's a combination of they actually have some shooters, and we were playing at a very high pace, I think, uh, and messing with a lot of lineups. But our pacing was pretty quick, although we did kind of get – I do agree with you, though. There were a few times where, especially in the first half, it felt like we kind of got stuck in the mud with some uh, um, half-court offense and didn't get out and transition as much, but we seemed a little bit more comfortable in the second half. Yeah, I agree. So that pretty much is the exhibition, and the uh, the next time you get to see the basketball team play is up against USC in T-Mobile Arena down in Las Vegas, Nevada. Big game. A lot of eyes. <laughs> Yeah, um, this game being at 9 p.m. Central Time does kind of suck for some reasons, but the positive to draw from it is if the Monday night football game sucks, then this will be the time that people will know that it sucks, so they may switch over from Monday night football to uh, this game potentially. But it's on TNT, uh, so it'll it'll be a big game. Uh, K-State obviously not having Naquan Tomlin and USC uh, won't have Bronny James. Uh, so a couple of stars missing, uh, which I, I guess we probably need to talk about Naquan Tomlin a little bit. But uh, USC, huge game. Looking forward to it. We'll learn a lot about the team. But I think we can briefly touch on Naquan. Just yeah. That Coach Tang basically said that he thinks it'll be a bonus if Naquan Tomlin plays this season. Um, I was preparing myself for that. I was hoping it wasn't true. Uh, but I'm... If that is the case, I'm just going to operate under the assumption that he he won't play this year until I have a reason to believe otherwise. Yeah. Uh, before I before I give my two cents on it, uh, the Monday night game is going to suck. It's Jets Chargers. So 
Well, great. So hopefully we uh, um, are able to get um, some people to get bored of that game to switch over. Yeah. But as for the, the Naquan situation, I don't want to dwell on it because I feel like a lot of people, like I feel like there's nothing I can say that's like a nuanced opinion on this. No. This topic. Uh, we're not going to go into what happened, mostly because we don't even really know what fully happened. No. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I would treat Naquan coming back as a pleasant surprise if it were to happen. Um, and I think it's best to just leave it at that for now. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, and I don't really know what else to, to say. But, I mean, if and that's what Coach Tang's saying publicly. I don't think he's one to embellish. The details on that i'm glad he's getting out ahead of it instead of the slap on the wrist stuff mm-hmm. uh because i mean like there, there needs to be some some consequences and real discipline so uh again we don't even know what actually happened but i, I believe in his judgment so yeah I, if there's one thing i trust hang on it's his judgment regarding his players mm-hmm but moving on from that, now we get to talk about the Volley Cats. And wow, okay, we didn't expect two consecutive sweeps of number eight in the country. And yet here we are, where K State, this is the only match they ended up, uh, we have to cover this week at least, where they ended up sweeping number eight in the country, BYU, 25 21, 25 22, and then 25 21. I, I, I don't really have anything to add. Just like, wow. Yeah. Two I'm... in a row, huh? Yeah, it was one thing to sweep BYU once at home, but to take six straight sets from a very good BYU team, or at the very least a highly ranked BYU team, that does wonders uh, for K-State's chances at postseason. And um, that made it, uh, I think, nine straight sets without a drop set for K-State. They had three consecutive sweeps at that point, and they generally just dominated BYU. The two victories over BYU for K-State that made it uh um K-State's RPI jumped something like 35 or 36 spots from the low 90s up to 56. Yeah. So massive massive change for just a single week. And that put K-State from outside of the tournament contention to all of a sudden they were not just in uh the volleyball tournament bracketology, they were a seeded team. And bracketology, which I didn't realize how the volleyball tournament did seeding, which shows how often we've been in the tournament recently. But uh, they were seeded as an eight seed. They seed, uh, I think it's the top eight schools in each uh, region. And then uh, everything below that uh, is not seeded. So we would still be on the dreaded eight nine line, unfortunately. But uh, we would be gearing up for if we. I think the current bracketology is if we won our first match against whoever it is, uh, we would be on a, a collision course for a rematch with Nebraska. So uh, that's an interesting position to be in, but Case has the opportunity to increase its resume even more. Uh, there, I, I did not expect our resume to improve that much with beating BYU twice, but that means the committee holds BYU in really high regard. So those wins are super valuable. And I, I'm very pleasantly surprised where we sit right now. Oh, yeah, I am as well. Uh, as for just this game in particular, uh, Aaliyah Carter had 17 kills. Anaya Clinton had 16. Anaya Clinton is once again proving that when she's on, die. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. And especially recently, it feels like she's been on more often than not. Uh, she's, she's really turned a corner, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, Sidney Boulding had five kills as well. In terms of aces, Liz Grigorski and Mackenzie Morris each had two, with Sidney Boulding having one. Sidney Boulding had five blocks, Anaya Clinton had three, and Izzy Sholshevsky had two. Izzy Sholshevsky also had 37 assists, Mackenzie Morris had two, and Liz Grigorski had one. In terms of digs, Mackenzie Morris had 12, Simone Sims had 11, and Aaliyah Carter had 9. So once again, Aaliyah Carter coming in mm-hmm. with the all-round stat line, and Simone Sims contributing yeah. pretty much just in this series so far. Yeah, she had not played up until this series, I think. So she was on track to redshirt, but Jason Mansfield uh, burns the redshirt and uh, uh, ends up playing her. The broadcast, uh, Brian Smuller was saying that it was to improve our service reception, and that seemed to work pretty well. <laughs> Seems to have worked. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and then also another big shout-out to Izzy Shulshevsky. She has been an unbelievable uh, part of this team's success this year, and it's something where you can kind of get it from the uh, stat sheet, but you really need to watch the games to get just how important she is uh, to the team. Uh, especially just some of those blocks that she gets, just huge momentum shifters because a lot of times she's out on an island and gets a solo block, uh, and she brings a lot of energy to the floor. She is a really important player to this team. Uh, the emergence of Anaya Clinton uh, was incredible to watch in this uh, series. She had, like, one attack error, I think, amongst the two games or something like that because, uh, I mean, she was just unbelievable. Uh she yeah had, she went 16 of 33 with just one error against BYU in that most recent match. I don't think she had an error in the first one, and if she did, she didn't have many. So, pretty incredible stuff for K State. They added a uh, uh, several blocks as well, um, but just, this team is really gelling at the perfect time. Everybody's finding their role. We have Katie Fernholes on. I don't know what to call them, but it's like this like sweeping attacks where like they go cross court and she's like kind of running to the set as opposed to like jumping straight up. I don't know what that's called, but <laughs> she does that a lot and it's been working better. Bolding's been a menace in the middle. Shulshevsky has been doing so good uh, setting. Uh, Mackenzie Morris is, she's just doing the same thing she's always been doing. Uh, <laughs> Aaliyah Carter is the main attack option. Anaya Clinton is an unbelievably reliable second option. And Brenna Schmidt comes in to be a, true um uh, i don't know how to say this uh, she's like a paint defender in basketball basically she she's like an defensive anchor she's like a aircraft carrier center but for volleyball <laughs> and uh, she comes in and just deletes the middle uh, but this volleyball team is really fun to watch they're really exciting and it's been a treat to watch them get so much better more cohesive throughout this season yeah it happens so quickly as well like at the beginning of the season you could say that they were cohesive enough but you could tell there were definitely flaws the nebraska and lipscomb games definitely exposed those flaws but ever since then they've played like a pretty complete team especially recently and you know i think they may be hitting their stride at the right time going into one of the toughest parts of their schedule yeah, and they're really already into the toughest part of their schedule. And I am, I seem to remember after we lost to OU, two to three to two, and comeback fashion for OU, we were pretty much down in the doldrums about this team, and uh, we were left uh, saying, you know, if you really want to get in, you need to like sweep Texas Tech, and then like with this BYU KU Texas stretch, you need to like 
win four is what yeah, you said. Yeah, you know, win four, but we had no idea. We didn't think that would happen. Uh, and we're already 2-0 and here. We're about to go on the road to KU, and we'll have Texas at home on a Wednesday night. This is we, – we could not have started the stretch of the schedule any better, uh, I think. So I, I'm pretty happy about how we're playing right now. And even if we end up missing the NCAA tournament, it's been a promising year for volleyball. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm just happy with the growth and the fact that, you know, even – I'm not saying this happens because I think at this point with just what we've shown, I think there's a pretty good chance of us making postseason. Knock on wood. Um, yes, heavy, heavy knock on wood. <laughs> but a lot of this team's coming back next year too. <laughs> Yeah, Aaliyah Carter's back. Uh, Sholshevsky is back. I'm not actually sure who all... I think Sydney Boulding may be the only person out of eligibility mm-hmm. uh, after this season. Uh, Brenda Schmidt's been coming along pretty well. Very different players, but uh, we at least do have someone that can work in the middle. But it's uh, going to be interesting to, to see how uh, this team uh, works in the transfer portal and who emerges uh, because I, we do have some roster space, I think. I think we do have some roster space still because uh, we were pretty, we had a pretty light bench uh, the last couple of years. But um, yeah, we're in a much better spot right now than I ever expected us to be um, just two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. So that pretty much wraps up the actual news. Now we can talk about the wacky segment of the week, and this one's going to be pretty simple. Would you rather have, would you, keep in mind, this is Bill Snyder Family Stadium, still the same stadium, would you rather have it only seat 30,000, but it traps all of the noise in nearly perfectly, or have it seat 90,000 with pretty much the same ability to trap noise that it is right now? And this is assuming that we're not going to fill it if it's 90,000, or are we assuming the stadium is getting filled every game? That depends on how good the team is. Okay, well then I'm probably gonna say thirty thousand. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what we would do with a ninety thousand seat stadium. I think that's way too big. I don't want a thirty thousand seat stadium. That's small time and stupid. But <laughs> um, given the option, that's probably the better choice. Um, I'm I'm happy with our capacity as things stand right now. Uh, we'll see if trends involving a live sports. Uh, attendance change because I really hope so because um, it's not looking great for the future but um, K-State's still holding on strong but yeah I'll take the 30,000 with better sound see I would actually take the the 90,000 and the main reason I say this is because I personally would rather have too many seats than not enough I know like sellouts are really important, but at the same time, like, I know I said that it would trap noise. The like better it'd be near perfect in the thirty thousand stadium. However, I still think that nearly tripling that, assuming we get there, I think K State would consistently fill at least probably three quarters, if not more, of well, assuming we stay good. But <laughs> I think we would consistently fill the majority of that. So I'd go with the ninety thousand. If you had said 70, I maybe could have gotten on board. I don't think I can get on board with consistently f- mostly filling 90,000. Um, I would love that. That is That would be like a dream come true that that many people are willing to 
pay money to go to K-State games every single weekend. Uh, but I, I'm a little skeptical of, of that, I guess. But I guess I there there's part of me that does prefer to 30,000 because I feel like having a 30,000-seat stadium for a Power 5 and the year 2023 would be extremely embarrassing. But I also know that we would be constantly at Reddit CFB because we'd be tarping half of the stadium at times uh, because we just would not be able to fill a lot of the nosebleeds. And they, for some reason, keep targeting us. Yeah, so it's uh, a, I don't know, interesting question, but uh, I'm, I'm not really sure, I guess. I, I, well, I am sure. I, I think I'd rather have the 30,000. But I get what you're saying about having too many seats available because I, I don't like turning people away. But, you know, uh, prices have been going way up for attending sporting events, which has a whole separate issue, I guess. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take the 30,000 with the uh, guaranteed sound. But I'd rather just keep it the way it is. Yeah, I think that's preferable as well. Any final thoughts? Um, no. Other than Legend says the Buddy Rich is still in the air and still going up. <laughs> Legend also says that the day this comes out is the volley cat or the uh, men's cat, women's basketball <laughs> exhibition. That it is. That it is. Uh, really exciting. So happy for the uh, uh, to see the women's team get underway. Um, they, they've got the Wildcat script uniforms. I hope they only wear them and don't wear the base Nikes ever again. But that's just me. Yeah. But that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us just about anywhere at Aggieville Cats. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I'm at ACEdward00. I'm at Connor Balthasar, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store. Link in our Twitter and podcast bios. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>